Hey, Will, good morning. How you doing, man? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Hey, listen, thanks very much for joining us on our Donut Kick Your Coverage podcast series. Uh, today, everyone, I have uh, uh, Coach Will Hosea, longtime friend of mine, uh, longtime partner in crime, if you will, on the special team side of the house. Uh, gosh, we go back many years ago to a game that started back in Westminster days, probably when our son was playing. And, uh, you know, as we always say, God is great and God's always got a plan. And uh, clearly, if you, if you know the story between me and you and those of, who don't know about Will and I's story, uh, it, to me, it's, it's always been a God thing. And I think God put us into our lives uh, many, many years ago on a, on a Friday night when we were, quote unquote, lost. My wife and I coming back from the game and this kind, gentle soul was uh, nice enough to take us into his car to find our, um, our, my, my wife's car. So that's how it started. So um, right. it's it's awesome to see what we've done. Uh, Will is the special teams coach at a Catholic high school locally here in Atlanta called Blessed Trinity Catholic School, which I've been associated with since the very, very beginning of time. I've trained all the kickers and punters there as well as, uh, uh, and Will's even, uh, Will's uh, two boys, uh, both of them who are, uh, one is a, as a current uh, first lieutenant, just got his silver bars uh, not too long ago, and he's serving our country overseas in an undestined, predone place we can't talk about. And then uh, his youngest uh, son, Bryson, is uh, at the prep school right now at West Point, uh, getting ready for his first season. So once again, Will, uh, welcome aboard uh, to Donut Kick Your Coverage, and uh, looking forward to our chat today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. Oh, you're welcome. Hey, so... Uh, one of the things I'm going to do is like, you know, as, as I, when I have podcast guests on, I always ask them about their journey. So could you tell us a little bit about, you know, why did your, why did you start on this journey, you know, wanting to help young athletes out uh, in your past and now currently in your role uh, as a special teams coach uh, at a blessed Trinity. And, and for those who don't know what that path is, it does take someone a long time to get to this get to this path in the field. So if you wouldn't mind, Will, give us a, a little sure. background, you know, even going back to when your dad was a, a, a coach and an AD in South Carolina. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, my dad was a high school coach in South Carolina for over 40 years. So, you know, ever since I was in diapers, you know, the first, you know, 18 years of my life before I went to college, I spent all my time with my father, uh, <laughs> You know, practices, games, marking the field, cleaning up stuff in the stadium. So it was just something I always loved. I had a passion for it. Um, I did not go to college to become a teacher, uh, although I, I always wanted to get a long time uh, to get my career set so that I could have enough time to go and do what I'm really passionate about, which is working with kids. And I've worked with all age groups, but certainly the high school age kids are, are fantastic. And I, and I think as far as, you know, there's a lot of path you can take in that area. Uh, but first, you know, you got to be committed to time and you got to yeah. be committed to an end goal, you know, time, obviously self-explanatory, but, but the, but the end goal, not so much. I mean, my end goal is always about teaching my players to be their best on and off the field and to understand that hard work is necessary in life, period, end of story. So that's, that's kind of, the path that I've chosen and, and uh, that's kind of how I got there. Okay. And thank you. And how, how important was that growing up with your dad? Uh, and, you know, to your point about the time management, seeing what he did, you know, time and time again, every, 
every year, every season, almost every day, uh, and you know, bringing you into those uh, practices and those games. How important was that to to look at how you view time management uh, as as a current coach right now? <clears throat> well, certainly in the in the coaching profession, uh, it, it it takes up a large part of your life. You know, you you work all day, and then you know you're you're at a minimum three hours late afternoon, early evening. So, you know, my dad's day would start at 7.15. He'd get home at 7.30, 7.45 at night, which is a very long day. And it's and it wears you out, you know, from an emotional standpoint, um, from an energy standpoint. Uh, but I, I just loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, you know, I there was nothing, you know, that I didn't love about going to the school with my father, you know, um, the energy. You know, you, you got all that energy there, and you can't can't find that anywhere else. But uh, you know, I'm not saying the the days of marking fields on Sunday afternoon and you know pulling weeds around the stadium and making things look nice and neat and, and showing everything in a first class way that wasn't always fun. <laughs> but yeah. there was always, but I always looked forward to practices and the seasons and and all that. It was just it's just something that uh, I've always loved. It just gives me a spark. Yeah, and thank you. And, you know, you add one dynamics to it from a standpoint of, you know, your dad was a full-time coach, uh, I guess, right, at the high school. and then Yes, at, absolutely. At and, you know, in, in our unique roles as, you know, special teams coaches, many of us start out as community coach. I, I know you started out that uh, in that role as well. And then you were also a, a booster club president, if I remember, uh, for a couple of years. So, you know, you had a full-time job. You had a full-time job, taking care of a family, uh, all those things that go with taking care of your family and then stepping on uh, the field afternoons, weekends, nights, all those things, not to just handle the game situations, but game preparation, practice preparation, uh, having to deal with other coaches on the staff that may have a difference of opinion of how you view special teams. You know, all those things are dynamics. And I think to your point, when you have a passion uh, for helping the kids out, you do take those things on a little more passionately than just say, Hey, this is a, this is a business. Uh, but I really enjoy the business help, of helping young kids out. You know, so I think that's part of uh, what you bring to the table from what I see on the sidelines, but I watch you during the games. Yeah. I mean, I've always, my dad taught me that, that, uh, you know, whatever you decide to do, you need to give a hundred percent to it and you need to outwork everybody. So probably, Probably from a coaching standpoint, I, I've got an energy problem. So, you know, I, I'm always ready to go uh, and I'll stay as long as it takes. And, uh, you know, my mentality's always been, you know, I may not be the best guy out there, but I'll just outwork you. And uh, eventually everything eventually works out. You know, the, the end goal is always to put, you know, to, to make kids better and, and to put the best on the field. And, and my players today know that it's all about competition and, uh, you know, it's all, all, all about earning your spot and doing all the little things right. And uh, Correct. it's the way my dad taught me. Correct. So uh, and thank you for that, Will. What's, so, Coach Will, what's your favorite part of your job and uh, the least favorite part of your job, if you will? Uh, well, I, I guess favorite part of my job is practicing, you know, because I, I, I feel like I get to play a little bit, even though you know, I'm not really kicking. Uh, occasionally, I might Aussie a ball back. Uh, if, if I feel like I've got a little in the leg that day, but you know, um, Friday nights, they're awesome. Right. But 
but I really can't get my energy fixed on Friday nights. Um, you know, so being able to interact with the players and really getting to teach them, you know, that Monday through Thursday um, really, really gives me the satisfaction uh, from a coach. And I, I guess my least favorite part of the job is missing practice because of weather. You know, yeah, this sure. although we're we're just about out of the thunderstorm here in the south, but and the heat, you know, and the heat. Wow, it feels great this morning. Um, yeah, you know, it drives me crazy when when I lose a day. It just absolutely drives me insane. So, you know, on those days where I know it's raining, the boys we will just find a way to get something done. You know, we will do drops in the hall. We'll work on our our steps. We'll do yoga. Um, we'll clean up our balls and recondition them for the next week. We're going to get something out of that day. We're not going to stand around and, you know, chit chat. We're going to get something done, but yeah, my least favorite part is missing practice. There you go. There you go. Uh, so here's a interesting question for, so what, what is the one idea that experts in our field say that, that you might disagree with? When it comes to you know training and, and conditioning, you brought up the yoga side of the house and more in the strength and conditioning side. And how do you look at this situation and its effect on them as athletes, especially the specialists? Yeah. I, so first and foremost, you know, it's been my observation for years and years that the majority of high school coaches really don't pay attention to special teams, at least to the details that I think they should. You know, I I think that a lot of coaches rely on, you know, having a great kicker. If they got a great kicker, that kicker's going to bail them out every Friday night. Well, there, there's a lot more to it than just having a, a great kicker because, you know, you're not always going to have a great kicker every year or every single game. You know, it, it's, it's just tough. It takes years and years to develop really, really good kickers. But, you know, I think that, you know um, – it kind of drives me crazy in general. I hear a lot of coaches talk about the three phases of football. And of course, one of those phases is special teams, but you know, I observe it all the time on Friday nights. I look at some of these special teams and it's just, it's like, they're just lining up and telling them to just move forward. <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it's just incredible to me. Um, you know, I, I'm very fortunate that at blessed Trinity, the the three coaches that I've been associated with, um, they're really into special teams. They believe in the kickers. They believe in having a game plan on Friday nights. Um, we rep special teams every day at practice, uh, which is important. You know, that was one of the things that, that when I came on staff uh, to actually coach, to start of my third year, you know, I was very much, you know, I came back, but I told the head coach that we're going to do special teams and we're going to practice it and we're going to do fundamentals and we're going to be good at it. And, um, and I told him it was the only way I'd come back. And, and, uh, and the last coach and the current coach are all in and I love it. And I think it makes a big difference on Friday nights for sure. You do the strength, uh, strength conditioning side of the house. It's always, I don't want to say it's a touchy situation, but you know, I've, I, I've seen, I've seen places where, you know, they've got, you know, Johnny, the 135 pound uh, kicker, uh, you know, doing front squats with the uh, offensive lineman at 300 pounds and then saying, <laughs> Hey, yeah, if you're not getting in your weight, room good enough. You know, it's uh, how do you, I don't think that situation has come up probably at BT, 
But when you do hear about that, what is it do you, what would you do? Would you like look more applied metrics? Would you do more like functional movement screening stuff? You bring, you introduce yoga. Uh, so the question is, is like, you know, we don't, we know that squats uh, are not great for the L1 through L5 on our back. You know, maybe single leg Bulgarian lift squats are good, right? But sure. you, know, you, you know, but those things, how do you handle that when that comes up where, where a coach goes, he just needs to be in a weight room more. And what do you do to offset that, if anything? Yeah, they're pretty flexible. Our weight coaches are pretty flexible with kickers. They know that uh, – and the head coach is – you know, I, I've got – to use the term special, I've got my own special exception. So <laughs> I have the ability to kind of manage that. Um, during the offseason, most of our kids take uh, a training class. So mm -hmm. they're getting taught all the, the proper movements and all that. But, you know, we're very – you know, I, I'm very much uh, – I stay on top of things, and and communication is key with me. So, you know, I, I, I make sure the kids are not just killing their legs, you know, uh, never never really have an issue with the upper body stuff. And as you have mentioned a couple times, yoga, stretching, flexibility, all that is so important. Um, you know, I, I think lifting is important, too. I think it's a little bit of everything. But yeah. we certainly what I notice is there's no flexibility. These kids today, it's it's amazing to right. me how we've gotten so good with our diet. We've gotten so good with, you know, taking care of our bodies from that standpoint. And, you know, there's there's you know, there's so much you can see on online now, whatever you pick. But you can see stuff and, and you can learn from it. But. You know, the one area that drives me crazy is I still think there's a major, major lack of stretching in 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 the world of kicking and, and otherwise. I just oh, think kids are just not very flexible. I agree with you. And, you know, it's funny because I, you know, as old as I am, I'm a little older than you are, but, you know, I stretch twice a day. And, you know, even when I'm out there training with the guys I work with, you know, we sure. I, I get out there and train. And it is, it is, a, it is an issue. Uh, I think it comes down to – you know, do they, how bad do they really want this? And, you know, and I said to one kid last week, I said, I think you stretch more time on Snapchat and on the phone and everything else than you do after you're literally stretching on the field before you start a lesson, you know? Sure. Uh, and of course I get the, I get the third eye look from the mom who, who didn't, who didn't like that statement too much. I'm like, well, well, you know, that's, that's what it is. Uh, so now to this stretching standpoint, um, are there stretches that you do mental stretches? So I've taken on to the side of the house, looking at the mental side for many, many years. And how important do you think the mental side of uh, the specialist game is uh, both mm. in season and out of season with the guys you work with? Well, you know, I don't know where it came from, but I've always, always, since I can remember being an athlete myself, have believed the mental side of of the, the game, no matter what your sport is, is critical. And I think so many people don't buy into that. And, you know, I, I do. I, it's really, really important to me. Um, so besides accountability with training, I spend most of my time working on the mental side of the game uh, with the athletes. And I do it during the summer and I do it during the fall. You know, first of all, yeah, I really don't care how much as, as coaches we believe in our kids' abilities. If the player doesn't believe in themselves first, <laughs> um, they're not going to reach their full potential. No matter how much we get on them or, or encourage them, you've got to teach that kid to believe in themselves. So, 
you know, I'm always, always, always uh, working on my kids' mental sides. You know, there's, I had a kid this last week, uh, we went to a live kick and, uh, and the coach said, you know, I want a 45 yard field goal. I said, okay. So we lined it up. Now I'm not going to let that kid go out in front of his team. If I don't believe in that kid's ability, the kid looked at me and he said, how far is it? And I told him, you know, it's, it, I didn't tell him the number and I said, you can make that kick. I mean, you have that, that uh, you have that in your, that club in your bag, so to say. And um, he kind of looked at me and I said, listen, you need to believe in your abilities. Just like your head coach just came to me and said, this is what I want. Cause I'd already told him where I thought your limits were. And I said, just get up there and make it. And he went up there and this kid, he's a freshman. He's 14 years old. He had a 45 yard kick live snap right down the pipe. And he kind of looked at me like he couldn't believe it. And I looked at him and, you know, I wasn't real happy, <laughs> you know, with, with him still, Guessing, guessing, you know, his abilities. And I just said, Hey man, you know, you're, this is what you're capable of doing. You need to believe that when you step up there, you're going to make the kick. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care, you know, where it is on the field, you know, your abilities, you can kick that kick. It's not a problem. You know, I, I also had another freshman this last week, we had a game and, and um, you know, he, he kicks from the other side. And so, you know, I used two different kickers in that game because I felt, that after our third kickoff, they were starting to figure some things out. So I took a kid that kicks in another direction, put him in the game, and it worked out great. The other team wasn't ready. And and yesterday we were chatting about it, and I said, um, you know, I said, uh, did you think you were going to play yesterday? And he said, no. And, again, I wasn't real happy about that answer either. And I said, why? He goes, well, I, I said, listen, I said, I, I – you know, I don't coach guys to sit on a bench. You know, you can figure that out on your own. I coach guys to play. And I said, you got to take every approach that you are the man and you have something special. You kick in a, you kick with the opposite leg. So you give us another look. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's important for your team. And you need to believe in yourself that you're going to play every single snap, you know, and you need to be ready to go. And so I think I caught him off guard a little bit, but you know, it just, you know, it, it worked, just, but it worked, right? It, it worked, it worked, but it, it, that part drives me a little crazy. You know, the kids, the lack of confidence they have, you know, and you know, it's, it's not about, it's not about always being perfect in practice or a game. It's about believing that you're going to be perfect in the game. Cause nobody, nobody's going to make every kick. No, nobody's no, there was only one perfect thing on this earth and that was Jesus. Right. Right. Nothing else is perfect, but you got to believe. Cross, and they put him on that's cross right. over two thousand years ago. So. That's right. That's right. But you got to be. You got to believe that you're going to make every kick. You got to believe that you're going to outwork the guy to the left and the right, and that you're the man every single time. So, I'm constantly on them. That's probably that's probably my first thing that I really, really focus on as a coach is the mental side of the game. It's huge. It's very important. Thank you, and amen. You know. One of the things that we we also talk about is just just from the fact of you know young kids uh, and the side of the house with their parents. And I when I spoke to uh, both Jamie Coles and Chris Saylor about this a couple weeks ago, you know by the by the time a child is uh, four years old, they've heard the word no uh, over three hundred thousand times. So a lot of times it's and I don't want to say a lot of the times, but you and I both know that there are times when that that backseat conversation 
where the mom or dad turns around and says to Johnny or Janie in the back seat, well, you know, you didn't play well today. You know, mm-hmm. now the kid may have been five or six on field goals, but you know, the mom or dad will pick up the, the negative one. And so how, how important do you think that mental side is, especially with, for those of us that are kickers and punters, right. That, you know, we, we get about two minutes, I mean, maybe two minutes tops in a game to perform our task. And then the other, you know, the other 46 minutes of the game, we're kicking into the net. We're on the sidelines. We're drinking water. We're doing whatever else it is. Uh, so if you had a, if you had the ability to grab the attention of all the athletic youth sports, you know, worldwide for five minutes, you know, what would you say to them? And you've coached soccer, you've coached football, you've coached other sports. Uh, and I think this is really a global question for all athletes and their parents uh, who are playing sports. So what would it, what would the one thing that you would say to not just the, the, the players, but the parents as well? Ha! Oh, wow. You got, you got a couple hours. Um, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> as parents, I, I think a lot of parents are unrealistic. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they also generate, you know, a, a lot of pressure for their kids. And, you know, listen, they're, they're called parents for a reason. You know, I'm called a coach for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, parents need to be supportive of their children. They need to love on that kid. If that kid wants to talk about the game, they'll let you know that. They'll oh, come yeah. talk to you. But, you know, putting that extra stress on an athlete at home, the home needs to be a safe, comfortable environment. It doesn't need to be a locker room. It does I, – I, we don't need parents, you know, coaching their kids at home because – those parents don't know what's going on, you know, on the field with us. They don't know the conversations we have, mm-hmm. you know, and there needs to be some trust there, but you know, it, it's not every parent, you know, some parents are just uneducated when it comes to sports, you yeah. know, and then, and then some just, you know, believe they can go out, you know, on Twitter and, and see all these five stars and all of a sudden they assume their kid's a five star. Uh, you know, and I'm very much a realist. I know you are too. You know, I shoot my kids straight. You know, I tell them, you know, I, you know, first tell them all their strengths and then we always go with, well, how can we get better? You know, I also talk about goals. What's your end goal? Where do you want to be? Do you want to play at a different level? You know, and then we realistically attack that. And, you know, I'm, I'm very upfront with kids, but a lot of it too you know, at least in the kicking game comes down to how hard are you willing to work? You know, mm-hmm. are, are you willing to outwork everybody? I mean, you and I've been to these national ranking camps. Oh, yeah. there, there's not a huge, there's not a huge, when you, when you get to the top, there's not that big a difference in a lot of kids abilities, mm-hmm. but man, who, who's gonna, who, who can kick under pressure? You know, mm-hmm. who believes in themselves more than the other guy? Who wants to really be the competitor? Who wants to step up there and believe that nobody's going to beat them the day they step up for either a punt or a field goal or a kickoff, whatever it may be? You know, you got to believe in yourself. And right, uh, right. you got to believe so. in yourself. That's great. Uh, so, if you had a gigantic billboard, you know, on seventy-five or eighty-five uh, <laughs> anywhere, uh, anywhere with anything on it, you know, metaphorically speaking, you know, and getting a message uh, to millions or, or even billions of folks, what would it say? And why? Ah. Well, you know, if I had a gigantic billboard, you know, (laughs) 
you know, I, I guess, you know, and you see these, uh, you see these on different highways. I mean, you know, I think the first, the first major billboard, if I had to choose one, it would, it would be based around my faith and in, in Jesus Christ. You mm-hmm. know, if, if we're talking just what really matters in the world, <laughs> believing in God, uh, you know, is, is a little more important than everything else in the world. Um, but you know, if it didn't have to do with my faith, you know, I, I would probably just, you know, something simple like hard work pays off, you know, um, in today's world, we're challenged. I mean, we're, there's a lot of challenges. I mean, today, you know, kids are grown up with social media. You and I didn't have to deal with that, wow. we had you know, nuns. and it's I had the nuns. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I think that that creates a, a false sense of what the world really is. But at the end of the day, no matter what, hard work will pay off. You know, it, it doesn't mean you're going to be, you know, earning a million dollars a year. It doesn't mean you're going to live in a $10 million home. But if you work hard and you have a strong faith, things will line the way they're supposed to line up. You know, hard work. Hard work will never fail you. You know, you do what your abilities, God gave us all abilities. It all made us look different. It all gave us the ability to do certain things in life. Do that with all your your might. Do everything you can to maximize the gifts you were given. But hard work pays off would be a great billboard, in my opinion. I love that. Thank you. And, you know, it's funny. My my grandfather, when we were growing up, we had a – uh, he had a farm on the side outside of Philadelphia. He was a machinist, owned a, ma- a machine shop, uh, cars, fixing cars. And my, back then, my grandmother used to call cars machines. It was kind of funny. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I'd come in from working on the farm, my grandfather, and I, you know, my grandma said, go give me a hug. And I'd, and I'd, I'd smell. And I'd say, sorry, grandma. And my grandfather said to me, I think I was maybe 11 at the time. He says, never apologize for the smell of sweat or work. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that is. I like that. That's that's just awesome. So, you know, the harder Absolutely. you work, the more sweat you're going to have, and the more work you're putting into your product. So, sure. um, you know, are there any quotes that you think about uh, often you live by? I know that you and Bryson share a tattoo, I think, maybe, or I know Bryson. <laughs> so are there we any do. quotes that you do or, <laughs> at, or you practice to help inspire your, uh, your guys and your team? Yeah, there's two things. So, yeah, we, we do have a tattoo we share. It's a cross, and it's our favorite Bible verse, Isaiah 40, 31. says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run everywhere. They shall walk and not faint. I've always looked at that as kind of an athletic, you know, strong, mm-hmm. you know, verse. Mm-hmm. But the, the other thing that I'm a big believer in, um, I love – there was a basketball coach, and you're familiar with him, in my opinion, the, the greatest – basketball coach, perhaps the greatest coach of all time, John Wooden. John Wooden. Yeah. Who I, I believe he won ten national titles in row mm. in a row at UCLA. And but his his foundation came from his father. Uh his father's name was Joshua Wooden. And Joshua rem- made him memorize two sets of three and recite it every day. And the first set was don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Um which I think for the majority of us, I think for the majority of people in the pretty world, that, 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 yeah, that one's pretty easy. Yeah. The other one was 
don't whine, don't complain, don't make excuses. That one's hard. <laughs> and so, you know, we, uh, we, 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 uh, <clears throat> we tend to see that all the time. And I call it no WCE, um, uh, with my kids. And, uh, you know, it, it, look, we can, there's always in the kicking world, you know, you, you, you know, as a punter, you can say, well, the snap wasn't perfect. Didn't hit me right in the hands. I had to step to the right or, you know, if you're kicking field goals or extra points, well, you know, he, he didn't quite get it exactly on the T right. We can make all those excuses. And, you know, we, we, I don't deal with that. You know, if, if, if I'm there, you know, we don't make excuses. It is what it is. Uh, The, 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 the position of kicking uh, is not as easy as everybody thinks it is. There's a lot of moving parts to it, you know, and uh, you know, things aren't always going to be perfect and it is what it is. You just, don't make an excuse. Just, you know, forget it. Move on to the next play. Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point, I think John Wooden is actually the only player to be in the college hall of fame as a player and as a coach. Ah, um, how about so that? It, this goes to show you, right. How he, how he viewed his world um, of, of how he worked with athletes. Uh, sure. So we, we've talked a lot about, about, you know, the, the, the successes we've had and the things you like to do is is there like an unusual habit or absurd thing that you might think is absurd that you love about coaching in high school that helps to drive you wow um you know i'm not sure i have any weird habits i you know i do love going out for warm-ups on friday nights and the whole process of the game i love the energy that i get on friday nights going out of that locker room to get ready you know, before it's kind of the calm before the storm, you know, the, yeah. the, the kickers, the punters, you know, we get to go out about 30 minutes before anybody else. Mm-hmm. I love that. That, mm-hmm. that to me, that to me is, uh, is awesome. It makes me feel like I'm part of the game. Like I'm still a player. Um, I don't know if that's we're a habit. We're the, first. I, we're the first ones out there. Yeah. We're out there first. So, you know, it, it's, you know, but as far as a habit goes, I mean, I, you know, listen, I, you know, I, I always believe that you need to look the part. So, uh, you know, I've listened. I, I laid out my uh, my outfit yesterday. I picked out the shoes I was going to wear. So I guess that's maybe that's a habit I have. I have a yeah, certain pair yeah. of shoes. I have a certain hat that I wear and um, have certain ways I dress on the way to the field. I, I you know, I, I flip the switch about, you know, 15 minutes before I get in my truck and drive to the field house for a game. So, other than that, I don't think I have really anything that's a that's a big habit or a weird habit. So on the flip side of that, how has a, a failure or, or what you might call an apparent, you know, apparent failure uh, set you up for success later on? Like, do you have a failure? Do you have a favorite failure of yours that you've been through that moved you from one to another? <laughs> I had them when I was an athlete, you know, um, I made a mistake in a game or if, you know, I was part of a team that lost, uh, I, I made sure we corrected that pretty quick, um, mm. both inside my head. And uh, I was pretty vocal with my teammates when I was an athlete. So, you know, failures as an athlete, you know, helped me become a much better athlete uh, when I was still playing ball. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as failures – you know, um, you know, I, one of the things I, I'm in, I'm in sales, 
And so my first true selling job, I don't know. There was a lot of days I failed, uh, you know, knocking on doors and cold calling when you're trying to get a career started is very humbling. Sure it is. <laughs> I, fa I failed a lot. <laughs> so over the years, I learned that, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I learned how to take those failures and put them in success because being a straight commission guy, you know, you better have oh, yeah. success or you, you don't get paid. So, right. uh, yeah, so there, there was a lot of failures. Uh, it took me many, many years to learn how to uh, properly sell uh, and, and earn an income for my family. So I don't specifically have any that stand out, but there's a lot. Yeah, you uh, eat what you kill, but, as we used to say, right? Th that's right. That's right. That's my mentality. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that, that certainly does drive you. And I think either you're an athlete or you're a business person or you're a professional sure. in another field, you know, sometimes you look at those success and failures, you know, like what, what did, what did right. uh, Ben Franklin say or Thomas Edison say? I didn't, it, I didn't all of a sudden just, you know, learn how to make a light bulb. I, I saw nine, <laughs> 9,999 ways not to make it work. <laughs> That's know? right. So it's, That's right. it's sometimes it's how you perceive what that sure. failure is and what, you know, a, a success is. So sure. um, uh, here's a question for you. And we only got a couple left. So, and you know, in, yeah, in sure, the last five sure. years, uh, pre and then post COVID, what new belief uh, or behavior or habit on what you think high school athletes and their parents will need to focus on? Oh, wow, you know, you know, here I'm thinking about it. I'm going, well, COVID was so long ago, and it's gone. We don't have to worry about it anymore. And sure enough, we see it has reappeared again. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> Right. Oh boy, COVID was uh, a lot of <laughs> COVID was a challenge. Uh, it, was, it was nobody knew what to do. Um, I was still in a support role then, and uh, it was extremely challenging to uh, help run a football team with eighty-five players, social distancing on Friday night. Ooh. Um, <laughs> no fans managing, in the stands. No fans energy. in the stands. Bringing your own water bottle, making sure Correct. your name was on it. Correct. Wearing gloves to throw things away. Oh, it was crazy. But what it really wrecked was it really, really, really um, destroyed high school football recruiting. It did. Wow. Oh, what a mess that was. And I, th I think we've. I think we are just about done with that. I, th I think we're down to the, the 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 six years of eligibility or whatever it was. This is the last the NCAA, year. Yeah. It's the last year, right? So yeah. You know, I'm starting to see high school recruiting get better, but you know, we've got another challenge and that's called the transfer portal. <laughs> yep. So that's become a mess too. And, 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 you know, for all, for all football players, I don't care what the position is. That's become a challenge. Yeah. Um, you know, because, you know, a lot of, I'll call the, what I've really seen is a lot of the lower level uh, divisions like the FCS divisions, those guys are not recruiting as heavily on the high school athletes as much as they are in the portal now, because no, of course not. You know, all this, all of a sudden, they can bring in players from the portal that were playing two, three levels higher than what they, what the division they're currently in, and and now all of a sudden you see that. But but I think I think I do today see a lot more normalcy uh, than we had prior to COVID. You know, I do. 
tend to see a, the high school recruiting is 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 coming back, and you know it's it's getting better, you know. Um, but that's that's really the the thing that you know. I think so we're back to that. You know? Setting expectations because you know as uh, as you and I know, you know, in the 117 years of the NCAA, which I call the National Cartel Athletic Association, I think they're more one of the more corrupt. Um, non-profit organizations in the world, uh, my personal opinion, but that's just me. You know, in the we've had five global pandemics in the 117 years of the NCAA. Never in the history, never in the history of the NCAA before this one. And we had we've had global pandemics where more people died from these pandemics. Past pandemics, did they stop sure. the NCAA from playing sports all over sports? And, you know, right. what I found to be a really a shame was that the National Federation of High School Sports, you know, that's my, I'm getting my, on my, on my horse about that, but the National of High School Sports, they didn't say to high school kids, hey, we're going to give you another year, year of eligibility. We're going to give you a sixth year. They just said, nope, sorry, get on with it. And then those kids that had the sixth year eligibility, that senior class in high school that 2018 and 2019 kids, they were told, hey, sorry, Johnny's coming back for his sixth year. So that scholarship we had for you, no longer available for you. So it's kind of like the soup yeah. Nazi. You know, you don't, no soup for you, yeah. just move on with your life. Um, so, I mean, I think from our standpoint, with the NCAA doing what they've done and with the transfer portal, you know, there was a, something similar to this back in the 70s. Um, mm. I remember being... Uh, playing both football and soccer back in back then. And back then we used to bring a lot of Jamaicans and Irish guys over and guys from Scotland and Wales to play college, college soccer, you know? Sure. So there were 24, 25 year old quote unquote freshmen, just like we have the 24, 25 year old freshman Aussies coming over mm. to compete against the 17 or 18 year old kid. Right. Sure. The, the, the migration of the transfer portal, look at Deion Sanders. Love him, hate him, whatever you want to do. He literally took 85 kids, basically, this past year from the transfer portal and put them into his sure. team. Never sure. in the history of the NCAA has it happened before because you know, we're out basically 25 a year, right? Per scholarship. Sure. He had 85 kids come in. So, sure, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's going to be successful. And he got rid of a bunch of kids who, who just couldn't take to the next level. So, sure. Uh, you know, that's that's just my opinion about what COVID cost these Ugh. high school kids and, yeah. and now what they're going through forward. And I, and I hope they don't do it again. I hope the NCAA doesn't uh, get back involved in it, especially with Congress, uh, because that's the next thing yeah. they're going to do with the NIL stuff. Uh, so when would you. So here's a great question, because it's not because it's my question. But uh, because you've got you've raised two boys that both have gone into the military academy and went through the rankings and everything else right going going on. When would you tell parents and high school athletes to get in the game of proper mental side conditioning, as well as a physical side of training, especially, like I said, seeing your two boys go through it in high school and and now in college? Well, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know when it's too early to start the mental side. I mean, I, you know, I was very involved with both my boys because I coached uh, and uh, ran some some club soccer teams when they were younger, mm -hmm. and mostly they were in my program uh, most of those years. And so, you know, we always, oh gosh, seven eight years old, 
uh, constantly talking about, you know, the mental side of things, thinking things through, you know, trying to figure out why something happened. How can we correct it? You know, what do you see here? What do you see there? You know, how come this guy's beating you out? There's always, you know, a lot of questions that, I, you know, the same stuff I do today. But I think the earlier, the better, uh, you know, when it comes to the mental side of the game. I mean, because here's the deal. You know, your your body is going to grow and you're going to develop at different times, right? You're just going to develop at different times. But I think I think early on you can really start working on the mental side of things, um, you know, in, in a positive manner. You know, it sure. doesn't have to – and we're not talking about screaming and yelling at kids. I'm talking about, you know, again, going back to that belief and, you know, teaching that kid it's okay to be confident which is different than being cocky and arrogant. Confidence right. is really, really, really important. And believing that you can outplay the bigger guy or the faster guy or the guy that gets all the accolades, believing that you can you can man up to that guy anytime and win that. But, you know, I think also, you know, parents today really, really, really need to be aware of the trainers they use and the coaches mm-hmm. they use. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I see people spending a lot of money um, on, on people that convince them their kid is the next Pele or the next Peyton sure. Manning or whatever. And, you know, I'm looking at that kid going, no, that that's that a, it's the wrong position. B they're teaching him the wrong things. And it's like, you know, simplify, you know, I think we, we overcomplicate a lot of things today. I mean, both my boys, you know, uh, my oldest and my youngest were, were good soccer players. They played at pretty, pretty good levels, pretty high levels. And, you know, my oldest made the decision his freshman year to give up soccer, something he played his whole life and Mm -hmm. decided, Hey, I want to play football. You know, I didn't, I didn't have, and I was coaching in the program. I, I was totally fine with that. Never questioned it. I said, let's do it, but we're going to do it right. And we're going to, we're going to find somebody and we found you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and then my youngest saw his older brother and he said, dad, I want to play football. And I remember his club coach calling me and saying, you're going to let him do that. (laughs) I said, he's nine years old. He goes, but you're, you, you, you know, you're a licensed coach. You're, you're this, you're this, and you're going to allow that to happen. I said, he's nine years old. He wants to play football. He wants to have a, he wants to enjoy it. And so I see so many parents today take that joy from kids and I didn't stress over it. I didn't worry about it, you know, but I, but what I did do is once my kids made that decision, we were all in, we were going to do a hundred percent. We were going to, we were going to buy the footballs. We were going to hire a kicking coach, which we did with you. We were going to mm-hmm. trust what you did with those kids. I trusted you. I came and shagged so many balls on Saturdays and Sundays. <laughs> I, you know, my hands were bleeding, but <laughs> we trusted. We trusted somebody in you that you, you knew more than I knew, and today mm-hmm. you still know more than I do. And okay. I trust you. That's why I send all of my kickers <laughs> and punters to you. You know that. I don't question yeah. that. You know, today, but I I want the kids to enjoy. They have to have fun and enjoy, you know, and I tell people, everybody gets all stressed about it. I mean, I tell people all the day, all the time, my oldest, we never applied to a school until they called us. 
Mm-hmm. And he got a great education at Army West Point. And he's yep. he's doing great today. And then my youngest. Yeah. Same thing. We didn't stress over it. People are like, well, yep. don't you want? I said, no. If if God wants that door to open, he'll open it. That's and exactly don't right. worry about it. Don't try to manage all that and be so stressed about it and think the whole world's coming to an end if your kid, you know, doesn't get that D1 scholarship. I mean, you and I both know mm-hmm. that you could be the greatest kicker or punter in the world and you still got to be a PWO, you know, yes. I mean, yeah. there's not much money out there. You got to go earn it. I tell people all the time, like if you're getting into the kicking punting game thinking, you know, your kid is going to be the next greatest player and he's going to go to the NFL and you're going to get all this scholarship money. That's not how it works in the kicking in the yeah. kicking or, or punting or long snapping. You know, yeah. you're either, you're either going to have to find a, you got to you got to have a plan, you yeah. know. First of all, a lot of PWOs are coming in state, so you need to focus mm-hmm. on the schools in state. You also mm-hmm. need to focus on reality of what level you can play at. There's a bunch of different levels, and they're good levels, you know. And and a lot of people forget about that. I, I ask kids all the time. We 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 start getting ready, you know. Is what's your goal? Where do you want to play? And is it about the jersey and the size stadium, or is it about playing? You know. And once we determine that, and we also obviously I, I can't forget about the education piece. I mean, I've got a kid now that's a high level academic kid that's going through some recruiting, and his number one goal is, man, I got to get a great education first and foremost. I want to play yeah. football too. Yeah, let's get yeah. a great education. And I love that because he's got yeah. a plan, and that's yeah. what we're going to focus on. So we focus on the high level academic schools, you yeah. know, and it's great. That's his focus, and, and I love that. Yeah, you know, I but think I, you I remember think, the story about. And, you know, with our son, with uh, with a famous SEC coach who, who came a call into our house. And uh, when they asked our son, uh, you know, don't, don't you want to play for the national championship for the next four years? He said, you know, hey, coach, I'm focused on the next 40 years of my life, not next four. Yeah. Now, That's right. I don't know how many kickers and punters out there that want to be chemistry guys and, you know, do the things that he wanted to do. But that was his goal. I mean, his and his plan B was always trying to get the NFL. That was his plan. A. Sure. But, you know, sure. just like you, you, you sat down with the boys and said, okay, here's, here's plan A and here's plan B. Here's what mom and dad can afford. Here's where we can't afford. Hey, if you can go that's serve right. your country and do this, this, and this, that's great. And that's not for everyone, right? I mean, serving in right. the military is not for everyone. You know, uh, Rob Perez's son is at, uh, at Air Force. He's a legacy there. Hopefully that Absolutely. works out well for him. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think to your point, it's the. I think it's the less about the parents' plan of what they want yeah. and what Correct. the high school athlete wants. I had, you know, we yeah. had a kid uh, a couple of years ago at uh, at BT that, you know, he said, you know, the, the mom and dad like, oh, hey, I want him to go to Notre Dame where you went, Mark. I'm like, uh, to do what? Well, to be a kicker. I'm like, well, your son's third string right now mm. in our program. And he's behind yeah. a sophomore and a junior. So not too sure how he's going to be able to get there. So I had to set those expectations. And I, I just sure. want to know how important do you think that is setting the parents' expectations? Because, you know, the, the whole five stars, four stars, three stars, nine stars, 17 stars, you know, it's out there. It's in every sport. And sure. it seems like the parents are chasing the stars, which some coaches associate that with how much money are they going to make teaching that kid or going to yeah. you know, a, a sports ID camp or the stars rankings, all that kind of stuff. Sure. So sure. Uh, closing on my, from a closing standpoint, 
how important when we talk about the you know the parenting side of the house is just for a second is what would you tell not not the parents of kickers and punters but what would you tell parents that that when you talk about setting expectations i mean there's 3000 there's 3000 schools out there from juco to d3 to d2 to d1 aa to d1 where do you think those parents should start going well my son's a d1 player i'm like well what's that based on well he kicked a 40 yard field goal on uh, on a youtube channel and uh, coach dingleberry ever said he said he's going to be a five star i mean yeah. where where do you try to help those parents <laughs> set expectations number one and do you think it's any kind of expectation setting that should be done at the school as well with like guidance counselors well that's that's a that's a good question you know i th i think the guidance counselors uh, at least my interaction with the guidance counselors is, you know, a hundred percent on the academic side, which, which is really nice, which I love and I appreciate because I never had to fool with that. Mm -hmm. And I think they have a great job and, and they work really hard at it. I think that, you know, if you engage, at least at our school, if you engage the guidance counselor and say, I need some help and this is our plan to get in this school, they, and, and, and that's something we talked about this last year with my youngest son, we met with the guidance counselor. I said, look, this is where he wants to go. Academically, he can't get in there unless football gets him there. Mm -hmm. And they said, what do you want to do? And I just said, we're going to hold. We're not going to apply because if we apply, he's, 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 I know the level there. He's not getting in. So I said, we're going to hold off on him. I said, yeah. I said, we did this with our older son. So we, we, know, we know what to expect there. Mm -hmm. And so the guy in the was great. She's like, great. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same – page now i understand and as soon as he got that call and they started recruiting him our guidance counselor stepped in and they were fantastic they were great but we communicated we were on the same page yes. as far as parents go in the levels i can remember uh with with uh my oldest when we started you know the the, the recruiting when we, when we thought he could potentially have the ability to play in college you know we sat down and I went through um, – I said, well, here's a great level. Let's start with FCS. <laughs> so we found – I listed out, I don't know how many schools, 80 schools in FCS or whatever it is, and we picked all the conferences out, and then we broke it down to, you know, lower schools – not lower schools. We, we broke it down to certain schools in each conference. And I said, you know, this is a level I think you can play at. You know, we didn't talk about we didn't talk about Power Five. We didn't talk about D FCS, right? Right. Now he was he had some uh, Division One, uh, one Power Five school that came to visit him. He had another nice level uh, Division One school that came to him, but they came to him. We didn't reach out to them. That was not the level that that we were. You know, from understanding how the process worked with you going through the camps and the ranking camps at Coles. You know, we went out there and educated ourselves on what was realistic. And at the end of the day, you know, he ended up in a great place. He got to play oh, Division One football, you know, absolutely. and absolutely. And, he, and he got a great, uh, you know, arguably the best education in the world, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I think with parents, you know, I, I never start that conversation with, well, which Power Five conference you want to play right. in. Right. You know, we always right. start with, you know, again, we first start with, Okay, let me see where his academics are. Let me see his test scores. 
Okay. What's his main goal in life? Oh, he wants to be an attorney. He wants to be a doctor. Um, okay. Then, you know, at that point, if he's not, if he is not a power five division one kid, we're going to first look at D three schools because D three schools, a lot of D three schools, great academic schools, great academic schools. And there's a lot of great football in D and D three. So we do a lot of that. I'm like, okay, let's look at this D three, this D three, this D three. And I let the parents know, I'm like, look, it's still great football. Yeah. Just because it's not on CBS every or ESPN every week doesn't mean it's not good football. And, and the goal is, you know, look, football is going to end at some point in your life, but the education's not, you know, and then, there are kids that will, you know, the D1 coaches will kick the tires and all that. And that's what drives me nuts because all of a sudden, if one D1 school just reaches out to a kid, I see a lot of kids just drop everything but that D1 school. And you and oh, I yeah. both know they're talking to 10 other guys, and eventually they're going to figure out who wants that PWO. Yep. And then yep. all of a sudden your player gets left hanging, you know, and it drives me crazy because, you know, I know you do this and I do this. We advise those kids, hey, <laughs> even though they're kicking the tires with you, 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 you don't need to expect that, okay? They're, they're kicking the tires with a lot of guys, a lot of guys, and they're not going to give a full ride to a kicker coming out of high school more than likely. Now, yes, yes. Are, are there the diamonds in the rough? Of course there are. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a few out there that are going to get it, right? But – we always, you know, I always try to keep it realistic with with those kids and just tell the parents the truth and just say, you know, this is where you need to be looking. This is where you need to be focusing on. Unfortunately, a lot of those parents ignore my advice. And I know at times, because you and I have discussed this, they ignore your advice too. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, they just hear, they hear somebody talking in their ear, but yeah. those guys aren't with them every day. You're training yeah. them. Yeah. I'm with them. Yeah. A lot, a lot of times, six, seven months a year, five days a week. I know what they are. I know what they can give. And that drives me crazy because it's not realistic, you know, when all of a sudden a power five school comes knocking and calling. It's just, it's really frustrating. Um, It drives me crazy. You know, it's funny because, you know, going back in the day, of course, I 100 years ago when I played, you know, we used to get letters, you know, at our, sure. at our high school all the time, you know, schools you know, sending letters to, we never, I mean, never. I mean, I can tell you, I mean, of course, Penn state and Notre Dame are my, my, my two top schools for, for various reasons. Um, but I never took those letters home with me and went, Oh my God, look, mom, I got a, I, I got an invite to a camp. But nowadays because of social media <laughs> and because yeah. of these things, you know, these kids are getting invites, you know, they're getting an invite to a camp and they think that, you know, next thing you know, uncle, uncle Ed and Aunt Janie, Oh my gosh, congratulations. Can't wait to see you. No dogs. Okay. Well, yes. your, son's, your son's in seventh grade. Uh, yeah. I don't think Kirby smart's going to be recruiting him right now, but go ahead. Sure. Go ahead and do that. And I think there's too much that emphasis that starts out with, and I think it starts out. Will this is my perception. It just starts out with the, the youth clubs where, you know, we put him into academy and then the elite and then ECL and then this and that and this. And the elite is the the name of the word elite or top. Sure. Or sure. That drives the parents to become what I used to call water cooler parents. Like they can't wait sure. to get to the water cooler on Monday morning and say how many goals little Johnny scored. 
Uh, and to your point, yes, there are a lot of great athletes that get great scholarships. But look how many kids that were five-star athletes are in the transfer portal. There was That's a kid right. just yesterday. I think it's a kid from Georgia who just transferred out, another quarterback. He is on his fourth school. Just transferred yeah. to Rice. Fourth yep. school. Five-star yep. athlete. Okay. So, again, to your point, it's about really where can they get their education? Where can they sure. best fill in their needs? Where can you as a parent go, okay, either we can afford this or can't afford this. Or if we get a scholarship, you know, from the play, that's awesome. You know? Uh, Absolutely. So last question I guess I have for you really is, uh, okay. what is the one final thought that you want to leave our listeners with today, especially since – September 1st has come and gone and we're already uh, into new recruiting year. Uh, what is the one sure. thing that you would tell first when I say the listeners, let's, let's start with the parents and sure. not just football. I mean, all, all sports, right? What's one thing you tell, you would ask the, the listeners to really think about uh, parent wise and then student athlete wise. Yeah. Parent wise. It's pretty simple. Do research, understand what's realistic for your kid. I mean, you know, you know, you know, guys like you and me, we're honest. We tell them the truth. You know, we're, we're obviously you and I aren't in this for the money. <laughs> you know, we yeah. do it because we're passionate. We love it. Yeah. You know, and you know, so reaching out to coaches and trainers, you know, that will tell you the truth. Right. You know, and for players, you know, first of all, enjoy the process. You know, you get four years to play high school football. Correct. I mean, it's fan Everybody talks about high school football. It's it's fantastic, you know. And for the majority of high school football players, let's face it, that's their last that's their last level they're going to play. I mean, like it's probably in the ninety percent range, you know. Mm -hmm. And they need to enjoy that. But you know, for a small percentage of players, they're going to get that next level, you know, the opportunity. And uh, you know, and again, I, I mentioned the levels. You know, you know, most most college players are playing NAIA. They're playing JUCO. They're playing Division two or Division three. They're not mm -hmm. playing. It's CAA Division One, correct? You know, and there's not a thing wrong with those levels. Exactly. Uh, it's yep. great football, or great soccer, or great baseball, or volleyball, and all those levels. You know, and I just think educating yourself and, and your abilities, you know, that's going to help you in the long run. You know, not be disappointed. You know, know yeah. your level, know yeah. your level, and 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 I, and I preach that level all the time to my kids and. You know, whether they want to hear it or not, I'm just going to tell them the truth. I mean, it, it's it's easy to not change your story up when you tell the truth. It's really hard to keep the same story when you're lying, right? <laughs> right. right. No, you know, it's it's funny. It, it, it's funny you say that because I, I think sometimes the lie is that the parents get caught up into the stars. They get sure. caught up. And I'm not, I'm not saying the, the national rankings guides are liars, but – you know, they're marketing. They're 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 bringing sure. you to a camp. They're saying, "Hey, there's five hundred or a thousand dollars to come to this camp, yeah. whatever it's going to be." And it's a very subjective ranking. You know, Jamie, of course, will have a five star ranking for one kid. Sailor might have the kid at three and a half star, and Corn Blue yeah. may have him at a two star or whatever else it is, right? And I I think when the parents get stuck into that four or five star world and nothing happens to them. You know, I don't think it, it, it almost seems like they're, they get embarrassed when Johnny or Janie doesn't get that athletic scholarship, you know, uh, and yeah, I don't and, know why that happens. Uh, I don't know if it's just a, a social media ego thing that happens with 
with the players. Uh, but to your point, if they're playing at the next level, I had one kid who was a great kid, great, great kid. He's a quarterback now. Uh, and his dad's like, yeah, we're having a problem getting scholarships, blah, blah. And I, and I knew the, I knew the kids in eighth grade. And I was like, well, he's just not, he's not, a, you know, what, what do you want to do with him? He goes, he just wants to play at the next level. I said, that's awesome. I got three great D3 schools that he'd be an awesome fit at. Well, Mark, no, no, not that level. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just said the next level. So if you still think your son is going to play at a D1 school, yeah. eh, that's not, <laughs> that's not what, that's not his fit. He's a D3, D2 quarterback, and you should hopefully want to look at that. And still, sure. he, he didn't think that was it. You know, and I think to your point, taking the noise out of it, you know, taking the noise out of mom and dad thinking that every kid, hey, if he's a D1, if he's a D1 athlete, that's awesome. But the goal should be the education and the experience and being debt free. That should be the goal of both oh, the student 100%. and the parent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I and I'll end on this too, you know, I, I, if if I was running a kicking organization today, we would rank kids <clears throat> based upon being able to kick under pressure. And yeah. kids at my camp would be in shoulder pads. Yep. They'd be in a girdle yep. with their pants yep. and yep. a helmet. Yeah. My kids, my kids at, at the school I coach, they know if they get caught kicking without a helmet it's it's not pretty okay <laughs> i want realistic i want realistic kicking okay yeah you can tell me all day long how great you are in a pair of shorts and a baseball cap turned around but i want to see how you perform under pressure okay and one thing i take a lot of pride in is putting a lot of pressure in training with my kids and you know i watched both my oldest and now my youngest who have kicked under a lot of pressure they're not always they don't they don't show up they were never the highest ranked you know players in any kicking organization but they could go toe to toe with anybody when it came to being rushed when it came to kicking under pressure and conditions and at the end of the day that's what really matters because you know I, I don't you know, we can all talk about how great practice players are but it's all about it's all about playing on Fridays and Saturdays and performing right. under pressure, right. you know. And so, you know, I, I I'm a big believer in that. I, I think, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I think the the ranking stuff has its has its role as well. And I my oldest, you know, went through ranking camps. My youngest chose not to, and they both ended up the same school. Yeah, right. and they been both kick under pressure. So right, you know. Yeah, Eric, and that's funny because Eric, you know, Eric Moss, uh, you know, he went to Notre Dame uh, sure baseball scholarship, right? And I, Absolutely. I trained, him all, I trained him all through high school at BT, and then, you know, he walked on. He walked on as a punter. He did. You know, he did. Uh, I happened to Charlie, you know, Charlie Charlie Weiss was was in my class, you know, so, and I, I knew him, but Eric, you know, he walked on, uh, you know, Colin went to two camps, uh, outshined both on Colin Barber and, you know, Duran Brooks. Duran Brooks went to one camp. And then went to a JUCO, Georgia Military College, and then transferred out of Georgia Military College, and then went to Georgia Tech, became an sure. All-American, Ray Guy Award winner, and then played one year in the league. So yeah. that journey that all those kids have to have, to your point, right. there's three to 4,000 schools, you got to pick that, like, like Cam Newton, for God's sakes. I mean, he's another JUCO guy, right? So sure. sometimes those, those things shouldn't be looked down upon by parents and athletes. 
like when you have a JUCO offer, hey, that may be the best thing that you start at. That doesn't mean you're going to end there, but it's like being like a salesman, right? You, I'm sure you didn't start out That's with right. your company says, hey, listen, Will, we want to bring you in as a vice president of sales. Okay, well, I'm 23 <laughs> years old. Well, that's okay. Don't worry about it. You, we yeah. really think you're a vice president. We think you're a five-star guy. We're going to put you in a vice president of sales. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's probably right. not, not, not going to work out for you. Not going to be right? good. <laughs> so you have to start out somewhere. And I, and I right. hope that's what the parents are hearing from this discussion that you and I had is that, you sure. know, starting out at, at that level. And these could stand for a lot of things. It could stand for desire. You know, it, but it has to be dedication, all those kind of things for that journey. And, you know, I'll, I'll sure. just close with saying that, you know, you've been a great one to advocate the journey for all these young men and women um, that uh, are in the schools that you are, you're associated with. And I hope you have an awesome game tonight um, and a great weekend. And we'll probably see you hopefully down the road at one of the games. Hey, let's hope so. You know, you're always welcome. And uh, I'll end with two words. Go Titans. Go Titans. Go BT, go BT, go BT, right? Is that what they say? <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's okay, what they brother. say. Okay, <laughs> brother. Have an awesome weekend. You too, brother. Thank All you. Right, God bless. See ya.